Beautiful, wonderful words. Kneeling in the dust, I like. That's not a coincidence today, is it? God bless you. Good to see you this morning. Thank you for being here today. If you are unfamiliar with things biblical, and I attended a Bible-believing church years ago, didn't know a whole lot about the Bible, but I'll give you a hint what day this is. Who said fan day? No. No. Palm Sunday. A lot of our students got these downstairs. They are children. How many remember getting, uh, if you attended a church during your childhood, how many remember getting a palm branch or something like this? Look at those hands going. Isn't it amazing what we remember, right? Remember, these were like gold. Everyone got one. You got yours. You got to wave it and be part of something. We're looking at a couple of different things that God put on the earth today. We're looking at that palm branch. They were waving it as a symbol to welcome Jesus into the city as the king, crying, Hosanna, hallelujah. They had that to celebrate that in true form to humanity. It wasn't far after that. There was another plant that was being used on the earth. Ow. And it's this one. You'll see some of the thorns on that. On the head of our Lord was placed a crown of thorns. And many of the thorns that you'll see on this crown of thorns bush actually grow to um, 30, uh, 30 millimeters. As you can see, as I'm holding up my hand there, how they are. And you, the point of them, they're very sharp. Do you want to see? No, you don't want to see. <laughs> very, very sharp. Just a reminder today in a motif that we have the palm branches, palm tree. We have the crown of thorns, another plant. And we have the tree in which the cross of Christ hung upon for us. Today is Palm Sunday. We do celebrate the Lord's Supper a little bit later in our service. So parents, if you have a child with you that has not yet received the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and your Lord, use this today as a teaching tool. Teach them on the way home during lunch and through the week about what today is. If you're joining us on the simulcast, we invite you to partake in this also today as you listen and celebrate what Jesus Christ has done for us. If you think about him entering that city, many people thought he was trapped, entered into that as a trap, fell into a trap. He just didn't fall into a trap. He was God. He knew all. He walked into it and he said, no man takes my life. I give it. And so in the understanding of Jesus Christ, as you look at the biblical record of who he is, he came to give his life because he's the God of unconditional love. That's why he went. You and I would have gotten to that place and saw the people welcoming us and a few days later cursing him to die. Give us Barabbas. He said, I'm not going to do it. But God loved us so much as the only one that could pay for our sin that he went all the way through with this. So today we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. I remind you today that if you are a believer that's with us here today, that's someone that puts their faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. His payment on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, but not a member of our church, sometimes people wonder, can I still have the Lord's Supper here? Of course you can. You're part of the universal church of Jesus Christ, and we welcome you to have the Lord's Supper with us today as we go on this journey. This is more than a ritual in our church. It is something that Jesus Christ said we're to obey until he returns. Two ordinances, believer's baptism 
and the Lord's Supper. Today as we look at the passage found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let the Holy Spirit of God have permission in your life to sweep out all the little issues that can come in life. And some are more important than others. I get it. We live daily lives. We have lawns to cut, classes to study for, people to please, showers to take, bills to send out, lots of different things in a busy, busy, busy life. There's a time and a season for everything according to the Word of God. But now is a time and a season to let that rest. Give the Holy Spirit permission to sweep it out of your mind and concentrate on the Word of God and allow God to truly bless you in this today because there's something very mystical and spiritual about what we're entering into. 1 Corinthians 11, starting verse 23, the Apostle Paul writes to church at Corinth, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. Paul reminds them, I received this from the Lord. This is not some committee that got together and said, let's do something to sell grape juice and bread. Right? He received it from the Lord. Then he reminds them, what I also passed on to you. Why does he say that? Because he is writing connection right here with the fact that the church at Corinth had desecrated the Lord's Supper. They'd made a mockery of it through selfishness and the love feast that they had. It's a mockery. You can read all about it in the book of 1 Corinthians. So he's writing again. So I pass this on to you. But he's telling them again. On the night he was betrayed. I guess lots of people perhaps in that day and time, the devil himself thought we finally got him. We got Jesus. We caught him in the garden Now we're going to take him, arrest him. We know what the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the religious system wants to do. They want to kill him. And so we trapped him. But on the night he was betrayed, Jesus turned one of the most despicable things into one of the most beautiful things. 1 Corinthians 11, 23d and 24 says that Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Bread, as this was a Passover feast, The bread that the Jews were celebrating with for the Passover feast was that flat bread. If you wonder why we just don't use a loaf bread or whatever, because what they used back in that day and time was a flat bread. It didn't have yeast in it. It was unleavened bread. Yeast in that particular context was a symbol of sin. And God was telling Israel, do not carry any of the sinful ways of Egypt or yourselves into the promised land. So they made this bread without any yeast. It's that flat bread like that. And that's why we use that. But Jesus turned that symbol, which all the Jews knew at the Passover feast, that's what that was about. That's what the bread is for. It's for that symbol of leaving the sinfulness, the leaven behind, going forward in victory. Jesus changed that symbol forever. Where he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Changed it from that symbol to his body. So when we receive that today, it's a reminder. The body of Jesus Christ. The body in Hebraic mind composes all of the person. The body, soul, and spirit. I'm giving all of myself for you. Now, only you can decide that last part there for you. 
because he did it for you, will you receive that? Is it for you? And today, if you have not received forgiveness of sins yet, let me submit to you, let me plead with you. There are many different worldviews that are pervasive over the face of the earth. And you can basically summarize them in whatever way you want to, but one of the ways I like to do it is to say, do you have a system that says you will ultimately earn some way to heaven. Most religions have that in common. They have some way or some ritual you follow to get to heaven. The Bible gives God's record that God paid our way into heaven because heaven's going to be a perfect place. No sin can enter heaven. So it would take a perfect sacrifice who would be willing to pay, willing to pay for the sins of the entire world, through his death, burial, and resurrection where he conquered sin and death. And so that is the record God has left. Today, you're either trying to work your way to heaven or believing your own subjective way to get there or you're uh, appealing to your higher understanding or you're appealing to the word of God where God says, friend, I love you. I died your death on the cross or I suffered your hell. When Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God had to turn his back on sin. Jesus suffered our hell. You see, friend, whatever else hell is, what it really is and what it amounts to with all the other things that it is, is to be forsaken by God. Hopelessness. And when Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? The sins of the world upon him, God turned his back on that and suffered our hell. However, if you don't want to receive that payment, if you want to try another way to earn your way to heaven and you die, you will stand having made God a liar. And as smart as you are, friend, as much as you may have tried to live to be a good person, live by a certain standard of rules, be honest with yourself and look at it today. Be honest. Can you stand before the almighty God and say to him, I deserve to go to heaven? None of us do. The Bible gives the record, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single person. But God loves you, friend. doesn't want you to be separated forever. That's why he came and died. And that's why when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it's a reminder to all of us that have been caught up in the everydayness of life. And it exists. God expects us to take care of things, pay our bills, eat, clean, well, all the things that we do. But today is designed as corporate worship or if you're listening out there today, to focus in on him and what he did, why he came. Is it for you? Well, the word of God says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five. in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. He said that twice now, in remembrance of me. But the cup in the Passover meal that was filled with wine, was a symbol of blood. The blood of what? The blood of a lamb. They would take a male, young lamb without blemish. They would slay the lamb. They would apply the blood when they're getting ready to leave Egypt to go to the promised land. They would apply it to their doorpost and the lintel of their house so that the death angel would pass over, i.e. the Passover, pass over their house. And so they were spared death of their firstborn because of the blood of the Lamb. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
You see the connection here. Jesus transforms the cup of the Passover meal beyond an animal. It's where God took on human flesh and he became the lamb for us. The lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. It's a new covenant. That's what the cup means. It's a new covenant. You see, in the old covenant, they had a repetition of animal sacrifices over and over and over again. Families would bring their uh, animal sacrifice. It'd be slaughtered. Blood would be shed. It was a reminder, as hard as it is to think, say, why they have to do that? Because we're stubborn, forgetful people. And that lamb being slain when that crimson blood came out on that little woolly thing was a reminder of the awfulness of sin, the awfulness of it. So awful that God himself is the only one that could erase it, make the payment for it. It was the new covenant. With Jesus in the new covenant, there's not a repetition of sacrifices. It's once for all time for everyone who will believe, not a repetition. Also, in the old covenant, the people were getting ready to leave Egypt, the place of bondage, into a place of freedom, Canaan. In the new covenant, we leave a place of bondage, the earth and our sin, to go to a new place called heaven. Heaven's more than just flowing with milk and honey. The Israelites went to the land flowing with milk and honey. Milk, lots of cattle, honey, lots of flowering trees producing fruit. They couldn't wait to get there. But they weren't there too long before they blew it, were they? Huh? Didn't that just fit like humanity? Thank God we never blow it for God anymore now that we know as much as we know. But you see, that's what partially what today is about. It's looking at ourselves as being transparent, looking at our hearts and allowing God freedom to work in our lives. But the Word of God tells us that whenever we drink this, we're doing it in remembrance of Him, of me, the Word of God says. In the Hebraic mindset, because it's in a day before there's books and cell phones and laptops and techno-savvy devices, they were called to remember things through symbols. It's almost scary today. You don't have to remember too much. You don't even have to key something in. You can just simply tell your device, do this for me. Find this. Am I right? In fact, it's crazy even in our idiot box televisions that we can just tell it, find this, season nine, and blink, and it does it. We're like little gods, aren't we? Like God created stuff. Anyway, there's nothing necessarily inherently evil in technology. It's how people use it. So please hear me saying that. But what I am saying is this. Today, we have to get more Hebraic in our thinking. In our Western culture, and our Aristotelian thinking, we want everything to fit in order, everything to be right. It's not so with God. When we ask questions like, well, why did God do that? Or why did God make it like this? We're asking, it's okay to ask it, but think about it. Think about it. If you were smart enough to create the things that we see around us, and the Bible says God did, do we really, do we really think that our question is going to stump God or disprove him? God, why did that happen like that? Think about it. No one here could make even an organ something like, well, a heart. We had someone here last hour, upper 90s. That pump's been going for a long time 
without quitting. What if that was just your job? Put this inside of a human being. And by the way, in it, put a brain and let there be something in that head. What's a head? Well, I'll show you what that is. That can see. It'll take objects that come, feed into your brain. It's a solid kind of object. It's got some liquid in it and all, but it will take and make a picture of something. Turn it up, turn it back right side up because it's a, uh, this, this, this lens is curved and it will give you depth perception color, right? And eventually, you'll be paying a doctor to tell you that you need glasses or contacts or cataract, whatever, surgery. But it's amazing, isn't it? So how are we supposed to ask, God, why did you do this? Once again, we can talk to God about anything. God's big enough to take it. But this is God's way, you see. Do this in remembrance of me. So what is remembrance to the Jews? It was not just recalling something. Why do you think they had the Passover? When they ate the bitter herbs at the Passover meal, it was to remember the bitterness of being held in slavery and bondage. They were to relive it. They were to talk about that cup, talk about the bread, talk about going into the land. It was a horrible time. They'd been in bondage and slavery. They relived it. The sad thing to me is many people around the world will take the Lord's Supper and never relive it. They do it for a ritual. They do it because someone else is doing it. But that's not what Jesus said. He says twice, parents... Well, let me say, young people, when your parent says to you the second, the second time to do something, does it get to your attention? <laughs> Obviously not. No, just kidding. Of course it does. Of course it does. They call your name the second time, you get it. When Jesus repeats something, do this in remembrance of me, he's telling us, just as the Hebraic mind understood, I want you not just to recall something. Anybody can recall something. I want you to relive and recapture the essence of this event. And because of the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do that. God would never ask us to do something if we couldn't do it. I want you to recapture it. And so we can do that. Bring up that next passage. Thank you. Verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 11. For whenever you eat his bread, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Today's a proclamation. Today we proclaim to the angels in heaven, to God himself, to the people around us, anyone watching our simulcast today, that we're proclaiming what the Lord God did for us. His death, burial, and resurrection. And it needs to be taken outside the doors, of course, but it has to start someplace when we're reminded, I'm to be a proclaimer. I'm to be out there telling the truth about Jesus. Bring up the next verse, please, verse 27 and 28. Therefore, the word of God says, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. Now, these are important. And I'd be an errant pastor not taking the charge I had when I was ordained years ago that said to preach the whole counsel of God. And many times this is left off the Lord's Supper. It's just passed out. If you're a believer, just take it. Da, da. No. God says there's something in connection with this. Because of how we are as human beings, we can go through motions of time, can't we? Right? We go through motions. You see a red light, you stop. You see a green light, you go. You see a yellow light, you go. Right? <laughs> There's the motion of things. There's a momentum of how we just live. And we can carry momentum of the world and bills and kids and jobs, everything else, into today, except for one thing. 
God says, let me have freedom in your heart to concentrate and look at this today. Because I know how it is in the world. I lived in the world. I saw people in the world. I want you to concentrate on this. Don't take it in an unworthy manner. What is an unworthy manner? Ritual is an unworthy manner. Taking the Lord's Supper because someone next to you is an unworthy manner. Having unrepentant sin in our lives is an unworthy manner. Period. Guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. If you take it in an unworthy manner, if you have unrepentant sin in your life, it's an unworthy manner. And here's what I'm talking about. I've used many different symbols over the years, including this one. This is a flag. We have an American flag, but lots of countries have flags that represent their countries, right? If someone comes in and grabs the flag of a country, and in the context, this one, walks down the aisle, spits on it, steps on it, lights it on fire, you're not going to scream, stop hurting that cloth. I love cotton. You're offending me. That's ridiculous, isn't it? What this does, it represents a people, a nation. It's a symbol of something way bigger than just cloth. When Jesus Christ has given us this Lord's Supper, when he says you'd be guilty of sinning against the body of blood in Christ, you're not sinning against Welch's grape juice and unleavened bread. They're not going to call you up and say, that was grape juice you're supposed to use. That re-. That's not it. You are saying the symbol that represents Jesus. You are defacing the symbol. You're defacing the Lord of Jesus Christ. You're spitting in his face. You say, I'll step on that. I will spit on it. And sinning against the body and blood of Christ. Making a mockery of it. He is the symbol behind the bread, the wine. In this case, the bread and the juice. So it's important. It's so important that verse 28 is here. If you can bring those back up for us, thank you. Thank you. There it is. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks of the cup. That word ought isn't a suggestion. It means you ought to do that. Need to do it. Examine. A term that would be used in business. Take a really close look at yourself before you eat. Don't take it in an unworthy manner. Don't take it if there's unrepentant sin in your life. Come before me clean today to celebrate this so you can really remember it. That is why before we pass out the elements, we have a time of, well, where you can make a response. As deacons, pastors come forward today, I'm going to ask you today, if God has shown you in your heart that you need to get something off your heart because you've put some sin into it. Maybe only you and God know what it is. Maybe unforgiveness. It may be something you've done that no one else knows. Maybe just something called apathy. Maybe something called just fall into the ritual of things. Today, just deal with it as the Holy Spirit speaks truth into your heart. You can do that when you stand in a moment. You can do it right now. You can come forward and pray with someone if you would like. Secondly, if you don't have a church home, we'd love for you to come as a candidate for membership at our church. If you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we would love for you to come be part of our body as a candidate. We have a new members class starting up in just a few weeks. Love for you to be part of that. Lastly, and perhaps most importantly, eternity is forever. This is an opportunity today, whether you're listening in a simulcast or you're right here, 
to understand everyone will leave this earth one way or the other. Where will you spend eternity? Jesus Christ, friend, loved you, paid the price for my sin and your sin on the cross. He bled and died, rose from that tomb three days later. He's the only way. Because of God's love and his mercy, he paid the price for us. He was forsaken, suffered our hell for us, but conquered sin and death when he came out of the tomb and offers eternal life as a gift to those who would receive that. Receive the gift. Receive Christ as your Savior, the only one who can save you, and as your Lord, the one that wants to have control of your life, where you turn that over to him, having repented of your sins, saying, God, I'll seek your face to live for you now. I'm not serving to get to heaven. I'm serving because I'm on my way there and for who you are. Stand, but let me tell you, we're not waiting long. Please stand. Terry's here to lead us. Please don't wait.